to you, Lord, for again, once again for the gift of, of Christmas. And we thank you, Lord. There's something really special about today in many ways as we come together. It's a small group of us here, Lord. We're reminded that we're not alone, that you're with us. And so, Lord, I pray that our time together here, though we're small, that will be a time that will bring you glory and honor as we remember your birth and what it means to us in the world. And we give you praise and we give you glory, Lord. And I just praise you and thank you, Lord, for the privilege always to, uh, to bring your word and to share your word with your people. Lord, and we thank you, and I pray that this message will be pleasing to you or this devotional. And uh, so we thank you, Father God, and I pray that your anointed fall upon each and every one of us this day. In Jesus' name, amen <clears throat> and amen. I think Christmas is really like no other holiday. You know, our family Christmas traditions really are just Aren't they? They're just all over the place, around the world. There isn't one, you know, way we, we do Christmas. We do it in so many different ways, so many different traditions. I don't. Your tradition is. I was just talking to, to um, the Melendez. I'm talking to, uh, to Jai Lee, and I'm talking to when they open up their gifts. They decide to open up their gifts after the service, sometime today, because that was John's idea. So we can just make up our traditions as we go along, right? And that's oftentimes that's what we do. But there's sometimes in our traditions what we're pretty much, you know, we do it the same way or whatever. In my household, you know, we do not exchange gifts until late um, Christmas afternoon. And then it, uh, that's how we do it. And as far as the menu is concerned, it changes from... From year to year, yeah, them the leftovers coming too. So, so you know there isn't. I would suspect that my daughter, that was recently married, well in June, granddaughter rather, I'm sure that uh, they are, and her husband, they'll have their own traditions as their family grows. And it, while I just want to say that, having said all of these things, while living in these troubled times, we are reminded. Now listen to this. We are reminded. We know we're living in troubled times, right? So a tr Christmas is with us, and we're all excited, but sometimes the troubles of what's going on in our world today in our own lives, they're there in the back of our heads, and we can't get them out. But there's one truth that I want to share with you, and it's interesting because this truth comes from and really a secular Christmas song. Now, perhaps when they wrote this song, they didn't have my thought in mind when they wrote it. Remember that, that song, what is for we need a little Christmas just this very moment? I think that's how it goes, and so on and so forth. And so that's where I want us to pick up that we do need a little Christmas just this very moment. But as we progress here, we're going to see that it goes beyond just this little moment. The foundation truth of Christmas really centered around one of the most familiar verses in the Bible. So we're not going, we're not going to go to the Luke chapter 2, other passages 
related to the Christmas story, but we're going to go and talk very briefly with the intent of Jesus' birth, why he was born into what? Yes, we know that we celebrate born in a stable, except that is very much a part of it or a manger, depending on how you want to express it. But we want to look at John 3.16. One that you probably have, most of us probably have that memorized. I do, but I'm going to read it anyway. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have <coughs> excuse me, eternal life. Christmas reminds us that Jesus, born on this earth, is God's greatest gift of love to us because as, as God's one and only Son that Jesus would one day pay the debt, pay the price for us, for our sins, and offer salvation. So therefore, we all need a little Christmas. Not what the second word calls Christmas. We all need a little Christmas right now. We need a Savior right now. Amen? And amen. Okay, you're with me. That is good. So that's, that's a good start. I think the lights and decorations, the cookies, and the dinner feast, I would, maybe we should just stop and say, hey, what are you going to do this afternoon? What are you going to do this afternoon? Just hear all the stories and how you do your traditions. And these are all great, aren't they? Driving back from my daughter's house last night, and we usually drive through different um, uh, neighborhoods, look at the Christmas lights and see all the lights up and the Christmas trees and the windows. It's such a wonderful Bing Crosby type of white Christmas thoughts we think of. And these are all very, very important, but they're only reminders. You know, Christmas can help us, Christmas Day and all of that, what I just talked about, and the feast, they can help us take uh, our mind off of our troubles for only a short period of time. But perhaps even during Christmas, we're thinking about them, maybe. But we, so we do need a little Christmas. And you're thinking, wow, where do we move along here? Well, we're almost done. You know, I want to I want to offer another scripture this morning. First Timothy 1.15. We're going to stick with this theme. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Of course, Paul is talking about himself, being a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and he was a persecutor of Christians. Christ comes into his life, transforms him, and he becomes the most prolific missionary in history. It's not Billy Graham. It is Paul in my world. It is Paul. So Jesus' birth is more than a photo shoot from a cell phone. Because this verse says that Jesus was born with a mission. Once we get, get past away in the manger, you know, and which is a great, a, a great carol, and once we get past some of these songs, then we realize that Jesus was born for a mission. And his mission wasn't merely to show us how uh, we can live better transforms lives, but how he came to save sinners 
and offer salvation. That's why he came. So this part we celebrate today is, oh, the wonderful baby Jesus, which is wonderful, but what was going to lead to. So we worship him. We worship him for who he was and who he's going to be. Amen? You know, Jesus' birth really amazed amazed the angels. Jesus' birth amazed the wise men. Jesus' birth amazed the shepherds, some of those that were in their, in their fields. Jesus' birth even amazed Mary and Joseph and so many others. Why? Again, because Jesus would grow up and his teachings would change the world. His death would alter history. His resurrection from the dead would turn the curse of our sin and we, and we have forgiveness through Christ, also eternal life. That's it. So we all need a little Christmas, but we need more than that. We, we need more than a little Christmas today. We need a little Christmas each and every day. Every moment of the day, every minute, every hour, every week should be Christmas. As, as we celebrate Easter, we celebrate Easter and what do we do? We take the kids home, we have an Easter egg hunt, we do this, we do that for one day, and then next day it's business as usual. No. We celebrate each and every day these holidays in our hearts. Don't put it on the shelf for next year. Say, well, okay, now Becca's going to lead us in the last song and we're going to sing, go home, wrap, unwrap the presents, and then we begin, wait another year, take the decorations down. No, no. Put it in your heart each and every day. Because Jesus and Christmas, his birth, marks the beginning, marks the beginning of God's redemptive plan for us. The clock now is really ticking. It's ticking. Because that babe and that manger, and as we all know, think about our lives around here. How fast life goes. Doesn't it? How fast it goes. Then Jesus, we don't hear much about Jesus when he was a baby after that. Then at 12 years old, he's in the temple, he's teaching. Then suddenly he's 30. He's doing ministry. It goes, those, those years go just so fast. So, I have a poem I'm going to share with you, or an essay. And really, it centers around what I've been talking about here, that Jesus offers uh, us to be born. We're talking about Jesus' birth. But Jesus offers us to be born to be born in him, to be born into his spiritual family, beginning with forgiveness that leads to eternal life with him. Point, Christmas. If you've never experienced being born into Jesus' spiritual family, today you can do it. This could be your day, your opportunity to do that. 
But I'm going to share this, and I've shared this once, 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 I think back maybe four years ago here, or whatever. It's a very interesting, some call it a poem, <clears throat> excuse me, others call it an essay. You can call it whatever you want, but I'm sure you've heard it many times off and on through the years. It's called One Solitary Life. And it was written way back many years ago, and I believe that, that this essay, whatever you want to call it, really uh, puts the truth of Christmas, puts the hope of Christmas, puts the power of Christmas, and puts the glory of Christmas in perspective. So I'm going to try to go through this poem with you. And to me, it, it really is so appropriate. I, I love to share this because it really kind of puts it all together. At least it does for me. He is born in an obscure village. He was the son of a peasant woman. He grew up still in an, into another village where he worked as a carpenter until he was 30 years old. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book, though we could question that. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never owned a home. He never went to college. He never traveled more than 300 miles from the place where he was born. He never did many of the things that usually accompanies greatness. He had no credentials but himself. When he was only 33 years old, the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. Nailed to a cross between two thieves. Through the mockery of a trial, that's when he's nailed to that cross. While he was dying, His executioners gambled for his clothes. The only property he had on earth. When he was dead, they laid him. He was laid in a borrowed grave of a friend. To date this essay or this poem, 19 centuries have come and gone. 
But today, he is still the central figure of the human race. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned have not affected the life of man as much as that one solitary life. Isn't that kind of putting it all in perspective? Isn't it putting in Christmas in perspective? Sometimes it's to me it's so appropriate that we come together and we're not Hollywood. We're just us. Plain, ordinary people come through the doors for worship service. As we remember that one solitary life and how much that life means to each and every one of us. Again, if you've never and you don't know that one solitary life, Jesus Christ, you can now today. Just pray with me, pray from your heart, and just pray this prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for who you are. Jesus, I don't quite understand all of this. But Jesus, I believe that you died for me on that cross. I believe, Lord, that you were born to die for me for my sins on the cross. I thank you, Lord, for becoming the Lord of my life. Come into my heart, Lord. Come into my heart, Jesus, right now. And thank you that I am now born into your family. In Jesus' name.